0: Good morning again, everybody. Over the past couple weeks, Pastor Tom has been sharing his vision that the Lord has, has given us here at the Vineyard for the God to be the God of the city, for our God to be the God of the city. That we shine His light to the people around us here. And... Uh, a couple weeks ago, he we spoke about being a witness, and what that really meant, being a witness. Because that's, you know, if you grow up in church or you've been around church people, that can be a little intimidating. That's one of those kind of churchy words, go be a witness. And a lot of people interpret it very differently. And, and uh, if you've ever been the victim of someone being a witness to you, you know what I mean, Right? We talked about how it just means telling people what you've seen and heard. Just like a witness in a courtroom. What you've experienced, and that's really all it's about. And and we talked about love and God's love for us and the experience we had with that. And his faithfulness last week. How we've experienced his faithfulness in our lives we are to be witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, Acts 1.8 says. We bring that maybe a couple thousand years up and be as witnesses in Grove City and Columbus and Ohio and to the ends of the earth, all around you. Just tell people. Tell people what happened. Do you have a story? We're going to talk a little bit more about that today and just these experiences that we have with him that create our story right we have we have our we have our story and stories can range from everything you can talk about how you met the, the girl or the guy of your dreams well that's part of your story and your story with Jesus is no different Man, I, I met the God of the universe and his son saved my life that's a good way to start a story isn't it but well, today we're going to talk about another facet of that, and the experiencing freedom. Experiencing freedom. We are called to be free from the bondage and the captivity of sin and death. And some of us think that that means, well, gosh, I've never really like killed anyone or anything horrible like that, but we're born into a world of sin. There's just a natural sin that we're all born with, and we're called to break free from that. And that's exciting stuff. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. We're going to read out of a book called Isaiah. Isaiah was written by a prophet named Isaiah about 700 years before Jesus was born. It's roughly 2,700 plus or minus years from today. And uh, we're we're going to read... uh, Chapter 52, verses 7 through 10, I'm reading today out of the New Living Translation. I know most of the time we'll use the NIV, the New International Version, and you may have your favorite version, and as long as it's the Word of God, I'm cool with whatever you like to read. Alrighty, we can recommend some good uh, study Bibles if you need, but you go with what reaches out to you, and if you're looking for a good Bible it's easy to read, and NLT is pretty good for that, and uh, NIVs are great for studies. So we can talk about that more on another time, but here we go. Isaiah 52, we're going to start with verse 7, and I love this verse. It's one of my favorites. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. That's you. That's me. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that God of Israel reigns, and I know it's tiny up there, we're going to hit every verse in just a minute, and uh, so you can read along. "...the watchmen shout and sing with joy, for before their very eyes they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song, for the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem." The Lord has demonstrated His holy power before the eyes of all the nations, and to the ends of the earth'll we'll see the salvation of our God. Get out. Get out of there and leave your captivity where everything you touch is unclean. Get out of there and purify yourselves, you who carry home the sacred objects of the Lord. You' not leave in a hurry? running for your lives, for the Lord will go ahead of you. The God of Israel will protect you from behind. This is good news. Let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would be with us this morning as we break down and hear your word speak to us. Open our, our hearts and our minds and our ears to understand what you would say to us today. Not, it's not about me, Lord, or anyone else here, Father. It's about you. Holy Spirit, come, soften our hearts, let us hear from you today, in Jesus' name, amen. This passage is a dynamic parallel between what was, what is to come. It's a parallel of of history, as Isaiah is writing it, and prophecy as we are living it. We're going to explain that, and it's pretty exciting stuff. The prophecy of the people of God, Israel, their captivity in Babylon. When Jerusalem was invaded and sacked, the temple was burned, and the Jews were exiled to Babylonia. It also speaks of what's to come, which are the children of God, and that's us this time. In the captivity of sin, our lives in spiritual ruin, and our hearts in exile. So as we look at these parallels, see how they apply to us and our vision of being the witnesses to the God of the city. So we're going to start with verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that the God of Israel reigns. And the mountains he's talking about are the mountains around Israel and throughout the Near East there. And, you know, I mean, they didn't really have FedEx or UPS back then. So messengers would come with news. And you would see them, the watchmen that were on your walls would see the messengers come over the mountains. And know that a message was coming and You hope and you pray that it's good news, don't you? No one likes receiving bad news. But the history is that as these are are seen, these messengers are seen from afar, that the messenger is coming to bring the long-awaited good news to the captives. The people who are in exile are just waiting for that messenger to crest the hill way, way, miles away, hoping that they'll bring good news. Great joy. It was such great joy that even the messenger's feet were considered beautiful. And we've talked about this here at the vineyard a little bit, about what feet were thought of in that culture. They're pretty nasty. They're pretty gross. And back then, you know, a couple thousand plus years ago, people wore sandals. They didn't have the Cabela's boots back then. I don't know why they just didn't. I guess they didn't have a store over there yet. But they wore sandals, open feet, sandals. They walked through the desert. They walked through swamps. They walked through pastures where animals roamed if you get my (laughs) drift. Feet were not pretty. They were nasty, disgusting things. Which made it so much more amazing when Jesus bent down and washed the feet of his disciples. Even today... In parts of the world, feet are considered nasty. You don't touch someone's feet or be touched by them. That's disrespectful. We've seen it. 2003, in April, we saw the the big statue of Saddam Hussein on the news being pulled down. Remember that? And people gathered around and took their shoes off and smacked the statue with their shoes. Watch the film. That happened. as a sign of disrespect. And yet, Isaiah is saying that the messenger who brings good news, their feet are beautiful. They've been exalted above shame and dirtiness to a point of of beauty. And, And so the prophecy here for us is that there is a transformative power of God. As you bring His good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ to His people, you become beautiful. You're beautiful people. See, I, I get the privilege of standing up here and looking out on all of you. We've got some really beautiful people here. You know who you are. Maybe you don't know who you are. But I'm going to tell you this. You bring the good news of God, you're beautiful. You are absolutely beautiful. Here's children, and that's good stuff. The good news is, he, he says here, the good news of, of peace and salvation The news that the God of Israel reigns. Come on, yeah. The God of Israel reigns. He's still on the throne. He's still alive. He's still well. And He's still making stuff happen. He still reigns over sin, over death, and over captivity to those things. And that's just the first verse we're covering today. We should get better. So let's go to verse 8. The watchmen shout and sing with joy. For before their very eyes they see the Lord returning. How cool would that be? I'm going to go take my uh, spot on the wall tonight and do my shift. Hey, it's God. He's coming back. Come on. That would be awesome. Sign me up for that shift. Well, here's the thing. In, in their exile, the people of Israel had their God replaced with other gods. Well, at least the Babylonians tried to do that, didn't they? you got to remember here, this, this exile wasn't like a one- or two-year thing. This was 70 years of their life. Most of these people at the end had been born into exile. Few knew freedom before that. Few knew that you could actually worship God in the temple, or at least experienced it. They so said they grew up in a culture where that was wrong, where it wasn't polite to talk about God. Sounds a little familiar. They were forced, they were born into that culture. The return home to the one true God, God of Moses, Abraham, and Jacob, was met with shouts of praise and joyful songs. They were getting back to what they knew was true and right. And when you do that, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. It's very cool. And in our culture... Today, we look around, and God, the word God has almost become a bad word. Well, you don't say that around people. There are Two things you don't talk about, politics and religion. Well, cool, I'm not going to talk about religion. Let me tell you about my friend. His name's Jesus, right? But it's almost become a nasty thing to talk about Jesus. And uh, people are lost and dying in their captivity to sin. And we've got to get up and out of our four walls to do it. We've got to go save them. People are longing for the Lord's return in their own lives, and most of them don't even realize it until the light is shined on it. They might be living great lives, good lives. They may be good people doing good things, but until the light of the Lord shines on you. You ever go to Home Depot to buy paint? So you go there, right, and you ask the person, hi, I I, I need some white paint. Well, we have arctic white, we have polar white, we have bright white, brilliant white, right? We have ceiling white, Wall white antique, white linen white. I, I just wanted white. White, right? Well, let me get this for you. So they pull out the little booklet thing that's got 12 shades of white right? There's like the little wispy gray and the modern white. And I don't know. I just wanted white. I wanted something pure and clean. And and when you open the thing, at first you're going, well, they, they kind of all look alike. <laughs> I'm dumb. Um, and he says, well, come over here to the light. And if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever your preference of, of a hardware store is, you notice the paint where all the little chips are, have big bright lights under them, don't they? And you hold it up there, and all of a sudden the white stands out. Stands out from all the rest. The purity pops. And sometimes that purity has to pop. The purity of God's love, and what's right, and what's true, and what's good, has to pop before people even realize that they're in captivity. That's, That's where you come in. That's where you come in. You may say, oh, well, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that pure white here. i got a issues. Cool. If you were perfect, God wouldn't need you. He needs you. He'll take care of the cleaning and the purification. He's just asking for some people who are, who are willing to go. So that's cool, and that's our witness, and that's what it's about. All right, verse 9, right? Yeah, good. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. You want some hope today? Here's your hope. God takes the ruin, the wrecked, the messed up, the jacked up, the totally mess, and transforms it into something that gives him glory. The history is that Jerusalem was in ruin. Everything was gone. Their temple where they went to worship God was gone. There was nothing but ruin and rubble. Their shops were burned to the ground. Their homes were looted. Decades ago, there were still a few people living in the city, scrounging for what they could. Their fields were burned. But this is what the Scripture says. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song. In the presence of the good news of God's salvation, even the broken pieces of their lives rejoiced. The broken pieces of Jerusalem, the broken pieces of their heart, because of God's redemptive power. You just can't keep it down. Jesus, or 700 years after that, Jesus is riding into, riding into town. Palm Sunday, people are praising his name. One of the leaders comes up and says, Teacher, tell your people to be quiet. What did he say? Do you remember? Even the That's right. If these people be quiet, even the stones will shout, the ruins of Jerusalem will shout. The glory of God. And here's the cool prophecy for us today is that God takes the broken pieces of our lives, the ruins, if you will, and he glorifies himself through them as he creates in us a new testimony, a new story of his saving grace. Isn't that cool? Come on. I mean, that is awesome. He takes the crap of our lives and somehow makes amazing things out of it. He takes when we have been wrecked, when we have been ruined, when we have been hurt, when we have let Him down. And He takes all that and somehow through His amazing grace and redemptive power turns it back into glory. He wants you. This is the hope of the Gospel as He takes our lives that are broken And he glorifies himself through it. He fixes us. He repairs us. He makes us new. Makes us white as snow, the Bible says. That's hope. That is the hope of the gospel. Hallelujah. Verse 10 says, The Lord has demonstrated his holy power before the eyes of all the nations. You notice it doesn't say all the Christian nations? All the Jewish nations. He says all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. The history is that through God's awesome power, he brought his people out of captivity back to the land where they could worship him freely. It wasn't easy. This took decades, folks. We get upset. I get upset. I'm not going to drag you into my stuff. I get upset when stuff takes a week. Right? We pray for stuff. God, in your timing, tomorrow. (laughs) Right? Seventy years. These people were not just praying. They're praying for their grandchildren to receive freedom. Seventy years in captivity here. And they were wanting just to go back to worship God. The prophecy is that through God's awesome power, he brings us out of captivity into a place where we can worship him in spirit and in truth. Right where you are, no temple needed, no church needed, no high priest needed. Right here, this is the temple. God brings it, and we bring it, and he glorifies himself through it. Here's the cool thing, that genuine moves of God, authentic moves, now I'm not talking about the hocus-pocus stuff, I'm talking about a genuine move of God are seen and understood as something completely supernatural. You just can't grasp it. I don't know about you, but I love... Like watching the History Channel. I'm a history buff. I like History Channel, I like uh, like Discovery Channel, Learning Channel, those kind of things. You think it helped me, I don't know, but I do what I can with it. But it's amazing that during like Christmas time and Easter time and those, they always come up with the Bible history stuff, right? But it's never like good Bible history. It's like, we're going to prove that was wrong. right? The Bible conspiracy. That's one of the shows. I love that, you know, The Jesus Code. you know? And the, and the funny thing is, and I, I'm one of those guys, for some reason, I, I'm, I'm a terrible skeptic. I really am. I, I, and, yet, and yet, God has placed in me a faith where I know that I know that I know that my God lives. It, it doesn't seem to go together, and yet it does for me. And these guys will sit there, and they'll talk, and they got PhDs all down their wall, and they'll talk about, well, you know, when God split the Red Sea, really what he was doing was causing a wind to come, and I, what? I'm sorry, did you listen to yourself? Have you watched the tape? And you just kind of watch, and you go, okay, I know what these guys are trying to do. God bless them, right? God bless you. But the thing is, the problem with that is the things that are actual, true works of God are so supernatural, so amazing, you cannot explain them. You cannot logically wrap your mind around them unless the way you think logically is, I believe in God, I believe God can do this stuff, so logically, it was God. Now that's some good logic right there. Maybe I should be on one of those shows. No, whatever. goes on to say in verse 11, get out. Not you guys. We're not done yet. <laughs> get out. He repeats himself, get out and leave your captivity where everything you touch is unclean. Why would you just stay there? He repeats himself again, get out of there and purify yourself, you who carry home the sacred objects of the Lord. And if you think about where the, where the Jews were, what they had come through, Think about this, you're born in captivity. You're born into a world of godlessness. People are talking about things that are not godly. Talk about paganism, they're talking about other religions. You can't really say the word God and talk about our God. You're born, you go to school and in school they teach you that God's dead. And they say, you know, just live for yourself. Watch out for number one. This is the way we do stuff here in Babylon. Kind of sounds really familiar, doesn't it? you think in 2,700 years some things would change. And yet it just drives home the importance of who God is and how much we need him and how applicable this word of God still is today because we're still fighting the same stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying the world's all evil and going to hell. But I'm saying the world needs Jesus. And the world needs you. They need your beautiful feet to go tell your story. So he's saying, get out of there. The the history was that those who were raised in captivity were called to get right with God. And bear the sacred things of God. He's not just saying, hey, get right for me. He's saying, let's get you right so that you can bear the good stuff of God. Let's get you right, not just so you're right or just so you can say whatever, but let's do it so you can do the cool God stuff, so you can see the supernatural, so you can be a part of it and experience it and make it your story, your witness. It's easy to get comfortable in your culture. It's easy to get comfortable in your, in your culture. It's certainly a whole lot easier to go with the flow. Say the right things, don't say the wrong things, don't say the, Maybe it should be the other way. Say the wrong things and don't say the right things is a little easier. It's easier just to blend in with the crowd. And yet, God's calling us to stand out. He has great things in store for us. This is the prophecy of this. To bear the sacred things of God. Which is the good news of Jesus Christ. In this, the the history of it was very uh, tangible. The things of God were the things that they brought back to the temple. They were things you could put your hands on. And they were objects that were sacred to them. The prophecy is that God is calling us away from those sacred things to have sacred things in our heart. The good news of Jesus. So he's calling us out of captivity. He's healing us. He's purifying us so that we can be the bearers of his good news. And that's great. God wants us to be a part of what he's doing. And and so many times it's easy just to go back to what we've done. There's that little whisper in your ear. Am I the only one that has to deal with those things? Because it hurts sometimes, and it's hard sometimes. And they go, come on, that's really not you. God doesn't want you. Come on, look how much you've messed up in the past. You should really worry about that. Oh, you really need to be fearing that. What if someone finds out? And God's saying, no, it's it's time to get out. It's time to get out. It's time to get yourself straight, and it's time to go with God and bear the awesome things of God. Verse twelve. You will not leave in a hurry, running for your lives. I love that. Get that imagery there. Here you got thousands of people who've been held in captivity who are who are let go and, and they're saying, Don't run. Don't run. We got you covered here. It's all good. You don't have to run. He says this, "For the Lord will go ahead of you." Yes. The God of Israel will protect you from behind. Understand the word yes there. He could have just he didn't, that was not necessary for the context. But what it was necessary was for the exclamation of it was "Hear me." I'm not only go ahead of you, but I got your back. Know this. That's what that yes means. It's to get your attention and wake you up. Right? It's time to go, but don't panic. And if you think about this, here are these folks that have been in exile for years, and they're like, Okay, we want to go back to Judah, but do you know what the wilderness is like between there? Do you know how many people get beat up and robbed? We don't have much left. Do you know how many people die between here and there because people rob them and kill them and leave them? And God is saying, no. No, I got it. God was telling his people, when you leave that land of captivity, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to keep you. And what he's saying to us is, is this, that God still goes with us he still goes with us he goes ahead of us and he has our back he's our strength and our shield and we will never ever be alone again god went ahead through his son jesus christ he came to earth he lived as a man who sent into the wilderness he was tempted like like i've been tempted like you've been tempted As a kid, he probably skinned his knee a good few times. Maybe even got a black eye or a chipped tooth. He was a man. 100% man, 100% God. He went ahead of us. He knew what it was like to be hurt, betrayed by his friends. He knew what it was like to have shame cast upon you, to be an outcast. He was knows like to be a, a human being, seeing the power of God released through miracles and healing powers. He knew. He went ahead. But not only does he go ahead, he comes up from behind so that someone's not going to sneak up behind us. So the devil, you know what? The devil can sneak up as much behind us as he wants because God's got our back. And will protect us and will keep us. And that's a good, good thing. Today, every day, we are called out of captivity. And for some of you, it may be a huge thing. Maybe, man, I have just sinned so much, I don't know if I can go on. And for others of you, it may be, hey, man, I've been raised in church my whole life, and, I, and it's, been, it's been great. I struggle with a few things, but they're not huge. I don't want to waste God's time. I mean... We think, I think like that sometimes. Well, it's only this, guy. There are people with worse problems, and yet God says, I care about your small problems too. As much as I care about the adulterers, the murderers, the addicts, the anger issues, fear, selfishness, greed, I care about it all. I died. My blood covers it All. The redemptive power of Jesus covers it all. And he has called us from the captivity of sin and death into freedom in Christ. In Galatians, Paul says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But then he says this, stand firm and don't let yourself be burdened by the yoke of slavery again. Don't go back to it. Be free. He goes on to say a little bit later, you've been set free so that you would serve one another humbly in love that you would serve others, that you would tell people your story in love. Not only did he he call us to this, but he paid the price for it, paid the price for our freedom. Romans 3.25 says this, listen to this, for God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life shedding his blood. It, those things require blood. They require sacrifice. See, when, when the left, when the captives excuse me, left Babylon, it wasn't like the Babylonians went up and said, well open up the gates. We'll see you later. Y'all come back now here. Right? What happened was there was bloodshed. There was war. There was another army called the Persians that came up and wiped out the Babylonians and just didn't know what to do with the Jews. So, well, you might as well, as well go home. It's amazing how God uses these things. But yet it required sacrifice and bloodshed to do that. Well, guess what? God already did that through Jesus Christ. Price is paid. Let let your ruins of your captivity, praise the Lord. Don't wait till you're perfect. Because you're going to be waiting a long time. I speak from experience here. We let our ruins, we let the things that have broken our heart, praise God. That's our story. And I've heard a lot of stories in my time and I've told a lot of stories in my time and we can all start somewhere. Well, I was born and this happened and this happened to me and my heart was broken here and this happened here and someone did this to me here. And I fell into this here. But then I met Jesus Christ. Guess what? That's where your story begins. That's where your life begins. I met Jesus Christ. He's my best friend. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. He died just for me. He died just for you. Because he loves us so much. I'm going to have the band come on up. Every time you leave here now, when you leave, we've got a really pretty banner back there. Really nice, they made it. Put it above the doors. We want you to see it as you leave. God of the city, you are now entering your mission field. As you leave every week, we want to remind you, that's your mission field out there, folks. Folks. It's my mission field. It's your mission field. That's not to make you feel guilty or like we're telling you to do something. We're giving you permission. Go out, tell your story. Get her done. Let's see some people come to know Jesus through your powerful story. Okay? Be his witness. Be beautiful. May your feet be beautiful this week. Doesn't have to be anything fancy. Just tell your story. During ministry this time, Adam, we put the chorus up there for me. We did. A, we're doing this song called "Invitation Fountain" this morning, and I, I love this. It's a prayer. If you lead me, Lord, I will follow. Where you lead me, Lord, I will go. That's a dangerous prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. But I challenge you today to make that the prayer of your heart. And here's the great part about it: Come and heal me, Lord. I will follow. See, God doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't leave you to lay in the ruins of your life. He comes and he puts them back together. He goes ahead of you. He's got your back. Are you going to mess up again? Well, if you're anything like me, you will. But his redemption is always there. If you lead me, Lord, I will follow. But I'll tell you, as you pray that, as you sing that, Remember, God will take you up on it. God will take you up on it. So today as we, we close out service, we're going to do a couple things. First is I'll ask if there are any, uh, if we have some of our prayer ministry people to come up and take place on the side here to pray for people. If you came today and you wanted prayer, uh, we don't want you to leave without receiving it. Okay? These people have been trained and, and love to pray with people. It's, it's part of their calling. And so they're going to be waiting for you and we'll pray with you. But as we sing this song today, if you lead me, Lord, I will follow. Let this just be the prayer of our heart. Ask God to take you up on it. So as we do this, you are you're dismissed when you're ready. Enjoy the song. Enjoy this time of ministry and praise. And when you feel like you're ready to go, have an awesome, amazing week and go and just be the beautiful people that God made you to be.